0: TLDR. If you're short on time, then here are seven minutes of soundbites from Omar Fria, the Bronx-based social entrepreneur, movement builder, and founder of Collective Diaspora, the growing global community of black cooperatives and black-led cooperative support organizations. And if you do have the time, you're on a run, a cycle, a drive, check out the full episode. It's evidence that with belief, desire, and action, we all have the power of self-determination. And just a little reminder, if you are enjoying the show, please share it with someone, follow us, like us on your favorite podcast player, or subscribe on YouTube as it helps us grow our audience. Now, over to
1: Omar. I'll share a story, one moment that really stood out for me, that I look back and just take as a something that a moment that really symbolizes the times and how I was feeling. Ten years old, standing in front of my apartment building on the corner of Townsend Avenue and 174th Street and right next to the Cross Bronx Expressway. I didn't know it at the time, but when it was built, it really decimated the Bronx. And it was one of the factors that really furthered the spiraling of the Bronx and led landlords winding up burning their their buildings for insurance payments. But I didn't know any of that. What I saw at 10 years old looking out were apartment buildings on the other side of the highway and nearby several that were abandoned and in their windows in place of windows were silhouettes of people of potted plants so that if you actually drove by you're on the highway and you're driving by you wouldn't notice but if you're actually standing there looking at it what you see is a fake window it's just something that painted that looks like there's a person there or a potted plant. And this was a practice for a few years in the 1980s that the city under Mayor Ed Koch decided to do as a way to invest money in the buildings just enough so that if you're commuting, driving on the cross Bronx expressway, you wouldn't notice that there, was, there were abandoned buildings there. And to me at 10 years old, I remember looking out at that and thinking one thought, they don't care about us. And they being The city, predominantly white, that's who is in city government, and us being my community, African-American, Caribbean, Dominican, Puerto Rican. And so I completely felt left out and thought to myself, why don't they, the city, invest money in actually fixing up the buildings and and allow people to actually live in them, as opposed to just covering up, making them pretty for passersby. And this was really a symptom. This is the symptom. This is part of the question of who is it that is driving decision-making? Who is a community for? Who are the institutions for? You know, who is the housing for? Who's actually getting to say what's present? This was happening in the 1980s, but at the same time, there were other people in the community who said that this is not the way it should be and in other places. And this is what I became drawn to over time. In the Bronx, it was people coming together, taking over abandoned buildings, turning them into housing cooperatives, people taking over vacant lots, turning them into community gardens, basically people who were coming together in different places, organizing, creating some kind of collective ownership, management of resources, and in order to meet their own needs. And, you know, I didn't have a name for that then, but that is what cooperatives are. When you're engaged in local organizing in your community, there's not a whole lot of bandwidth to really be building solidarity and exchanging information with other groups in other places. But it's important. It's necessary. Having those, those spaces where we exchange information, that's about movement building. And movement building is critical in order to sustain the growth, even on the local level, because the work that happens on the local level is directly connected to solidarity with other communities in other places. And that's essential. Taking it back to when I was a high school student, what I was doing as a young person supporting an anti-apartheid struggle in South Africa would not have happened without people People in New York City who were collecting information about companies that were doing business in South Africa, who were in communication with people fighting apartheid directly in South Africa, and with community-based organizations that were engaged in their own struggle, black organizations who were gained in their engaged in their own struggle for self-determination, for community control of, of resources in Brooklyn or the Bronx or Harlem, who saw a connection with their brothers and sisters and siblings in South Africa. And being able to come together to exchange information and resources, that's what strengthens movements in both places. So that's what we're looking to do. What we want is we want to support the growth of of this global black solidarity economy. There's a solidarity economy and movement all across the world where people are, are engaged in cooperatives and mutual aid projects. And really coming together with other mechanisms for measuring growth and development and whether, you know, even to public banking. So these are all things that are under this umbrella of a solidarity economy. But in order to have a solidarity economy that is powerful, that's strong, that's coming from the bottom up, then there have to be these strong networks. And in our case, what we're really focusing on is ensuring that racial justice that gender justice are at the center of that and that the needs of Black communities that are racial minorities in countries like the U.S. or are in countries that are predominantly Black but are still struggling under the yoke of neocolonialism in the Caribbean, in Central South America, or on the African continent, that all of us are able to come together and support each other's needs so that we're not reliant on wealthier white communities just hoping for what's left over from that are dealing with their we still dealing with their own racial baggage we want to make sure that we're supporting each other in our own growth and development
0: okay that's all for now folks now here's my ask of you please follow this podcast on apple or spotify or whatever player you use Also, please subscribe to our new Random Collisions newsletter. We really are working to build a global community of action takers, action engines of people that really care about the problems that need solving. Thank you very much and see you next time.